Hello, this is Toomey, your host of Feckin' Football. This is the podcast about football from an Irish perspective. It's still finding its legs, still growing as a show. But I mainly focus on the Premier League and this week will be no different. And I'm going to start this week with something a little bit different, as Adrian Kennedy used to say on the Adrian Kennedy phone show on FM 104. I'm just going to do a quick scroll through the front page of Reddit, subreddit soccer, to see what people are talking about online on this Sunday, the 7th of February. And the top comment or the top topic on Reddit at the moment is Ruben Diaz moving Zinchenko by the neck. So this is a free kick for Liverpool in the 43rd minute. And now all of the teams are doing this thing where the player lies on the ground like a dead body behind the wall and tries to block the the free kick going under the wall. So this was kind of kind of silly, I suppose, when people used to do it the odd time about 10 years ago. But now every team is doing it. Everyone has copied other teams doing it. So this is this this topic refers to a clip of Ruben Diaz seeing Zinchenko behind the wall and he thinks he's not in the right position lying down behind the wall so he literally moves him like he's not a like he's a corpse from the center of the wall behind it to the end of the wall and Zinchenko doesn't put up any resistance so that's the top thing trending on Reddit at the moment second top thing is Phil Foden's excellent goal to make it 4-1 for Manchester City against Liverpool. What a what a strike that was. Third on the list is a clip from Tottenham Hotspur versus West Bromwich Albion. We have Big Sam, Sam Allardyce doing a header. So this is from a ball from a West Brom player kicked from miles across the pitch, really high in the air, dropping at quite a speed. And Allardyce heads it towards the Tottenham bench. It looks like it probably hurt his head, but he was really enjoying that. And later on in the Reddit comments, we see that Sam Allardyce had actually pretended to take a throw in during this match. So it seems as though Sam Allardyce has uh, metamorphosis sized into a comedic figure now that he probably is seeing that West Bromwich Albion don't have too much of a chance of staying up. And then the next couple of posts from Reddit that are popular are are Liverpool's uh, goals, Raheem Sterling's goal um, and Gundogan's Gundogan's uh, second goal and also Gundogan's penalty miss. So I guess Manchester City were gifted this game by the great Alisson goalkeeper who made some terrible mistakes uh, playing out from the back. And this provoked Jamie Carragher at one point to make a very strange noise. Oh yes, this mistake by Alisson provoked a very strange sound by Jamie Carragher. This was in the run-up to Raheem Sterling's goal. And that sound was as follows. Just playing it a few times there in the background. So this is a habit Neville and Carragher have gotten into. You can hear the groaning in the background there. Very strange. <laughs> and that's been, that is now accepted as, as commentary. Uh, Neville has gotten into this habit. When Man United are in trouble in a match, he will often say, Oh! And now Carragher has taken this on and he's taken it up a notch, of course, as you can hear. He's really in a lot of despair, a lot of... Uh, 
discomfort there, as you can hear. But it goes back to something I was talking about on uh, Feckin' Football a couple of weeks ago with uh, the King of Ping and El Diablo, my friends, and the kind of the biasness of commentators and the, the bantery nature. And I don't, I don't know about commentary now where it's just people making random noises that, that shows their like pain when their team has lost a goal or does something bad. I don't, I don't really want to hear that. I want to hear my analysis being neutral and objective and try and add some t- t- like tactical um, insights into the match. And Carragher and Neville at their best do that. But I think they need to rein in their making random sounds when their team is not doing too well. Just my opinion. Um, so back to the Reddit uh, talking points from Reddit. Let's see if there's anything else. I'm just scrolling through it now to see if there's anything else worth pointing out uh, for the moment. Um, a lot of it was to do with Liverpool and Man City. Zlatan Ibrahimovic scored two goals against Crotone today and he's now scored 500 goals in his club career. This is the 39-year-old Zlatan. I don't want to patronise him as an old man, but he's, his mind is very... Uh, alert and his little movements in the box are very alert um, so that's just a kind of a, a jaunt over to uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic and the final topic from Reddit that I will just bring up is Liverpool's last three Premier League games at Anfield have been a 1-0 loss to Burnley a 1-0 loss to Brighton and a 4-1 loss to Man City and this is the first time they've lost three in a row at home since 1963 and this is on the back of one of the longest unbeaten home records. Um, so it's quite the turnaround uh, for Liverpool. And I, as I said on Feckin' Football a couple of weeks ago, I referenced B- Borussia Dortmund's collapse in Klopp's final season there. That was kind of recovered by the end of the season, but they kind of ran out of juice in all different ways. I think psychologically, mentally, um, physically, they just ran out of steam. And I wonder, is the same thing happening here at Liverpool? And could we see Liverpool drop even more? I don't think we will see too much of a drop because there's so much quality in the team. But they've lost their mojo at the moment. and uh, Or as the wrestler Shawn Michaels would have said during the late 1990s when he took a break from wrestling, he said, I've lost my smile. And maybe that's what Liverpool collectively as a team have done. They've lost their smile at the moment. So this was a weekend where mistakes were deciding a lot of the games and a lot of the outcomes and arguably the title race. Now that Man City have beaten Liverpool, they're in a very strong position. They're in the most consistent form. They've a great squad, great strength and depth, apart from up front. Uh, But with their midfielders and Sterling chipping in with with the goals, then they don't seem to be missing the the strikers, Uh, Aguero, for example. but this game was really dominated by Allison given given Man City two goals really this was true terrible uh horseplay at the back uh just terrible passes and miscalculations and this was a theme of the weekend really we saw it for Man United uh two and Zebe coming on in the very last minute and giving away a free kick um, Man United up 3-2 at the time and um, the ball went in and Tuanzebe was one of the Man United centre-backs who didn't mark his man properly uh, and that led to a last-minute goal by Dominic Calvert-Lewin and of course in that match David De Gea 
uh, also made a blunder. So it was very, very costly errors. Arguably, that's Man United out of the title race. You can't just keep him making mistakes like that all the time. They were building up some momentum again after that 9-0 win against Southampton, but now they're back down to a draw again. And The only reason Man United will win the league is if Man City kind of implode because I can't see Man United getting to that top-level consistency in form that would normally win a Premier League. Another mistake over the weekend that decided things was Cedric uh, for Arsenal. Aston Villa just launched an innocuous enough attack. Cedric had the chance to clear it or put it out for a throw. Instead, he, he passed the ball with his back to the opposition's goal. He passed the ball back towards his own goal. Um, a very weak pass. He tried to pass it to the centre-back, Gabriel, but uh, the Aston Villa player nipped in, uh, crossed it over, and Ollie Watkins had a very easy finish. And that actually decided that game, so that was 1-0. So there was a lot of games decided by mistakes. It was a weekend of mistakes. Uh, I don't know if that's a pattern or a theme, or if people are tired with the constant uh, onslaught of fixtures and the COVID situation, but there, there seems to be a lot of mistakes at the moment. One thing I did notice from that Aston Villa and Arsenal match is the amount of time wasting that Aston Villa did throughout the game. So they got 1-0 up after I think it was within the first five minutes and they were time wasting for the whole rest of the match. Anytime there was a foul, they would go down and stay down for a minute or two. They would take their times with throw-ins. I really hate this one when the goalkeeper catches the ball and then dives on the ground and then covers it like a swan covering its eggs and I'm just sick of this in football in general not just this match just that the advantage that is given to teams when they want a time waste like bringing the ball into the corner I just hate watching it it just ruins the game for me and you don't have that in other sports you don't really have it as much in rugby because the clock has stopped when the ball goes out of play but especially in basketball the clock has stopped when the ball goes out of play and this was brought up a couple of years ago should you do the same in football i think absolutely you should i think timekeeping in football is not where it should be the um referee keeps track of time as well as doing all the other officiating duties during the match and it's always four minutes or five minutes at a time or th- or sometimes three minutes three minutes four minutes or five minutes and he's, it's just a rough estimate of the amount of time that has to be added on. And there's teams taking advantages of, you can waste time if you're ahead. It's so easy to waste time. Just go down for, for a foul each time. Go down holding your head or something. And it works. You waste so much time. And why can't they just do it? If the ball goes out of play, just stop the clock. Why can't they do that? They absolutely can do that if you got someone independent to do that. You can't do it in amateur football, but who cares? Just just do it at elite football. I'm just I'm sick of it. It's actually ruining football for me because I'm I've been watching basketball, for example, recently, and it's just it's not an issue there. Like time is really important, especially if one team in basketball is up. Like the the team that's down really has the advantage because they're thinking, okay, I'm four points down. And I'm only going to get the ball maybe once or twice more. So now I know exactly how to make use of that time. You can't do that in the Premier League. And there could be four minutes added on time. But if you lose the ball once in that four minutes, the other team is, oh, they just take the ball out and they're doing throw-ins. They, 
they kick it into the corner they go down for a freeze and then a goal kick seems to waste about a minute and a half that one I mentioned earlier about the goal keep, goalkeeper catching the ball and then diving on the ground all of it is just horrible and I'm just I'm sick of it and it's really it's really ruining my enjoyment of football at the moment as is all of the VOR decisions VAR decisions that are kind of ridiculous at the moment but I don't really want to talk about that I'm just a bit frustrated uh, about the time wasting issue and how how obvious this has been as an issue for years and how it hasn't been solved yet um, I'd love to see them just trying it out uh, Peter Cech said a couple of years ago when this was being debated he said on Twitter you should have each match as 60 minutes because that's the average amount of time at the moment that the ball is in play so if you had 60 minutes of in play time and, and aimed for that or just tried it out in a friendly tournament see what happens um, yeah or else just clamp down on people with all this time wasting but it's very hard to do that because there's such a culture of lying and cheating and rolling around that's accepted now because it gives each team an advantage that's why they do it. They wouldn't do it if they didn't get an advantage. What else from uh, this week? I just wanted a, a shout out, not even a shout out. I just wanted to reference Bruno Fernandez's excellent goal, which was Cantona-esque against Everton. That kind of the dummy he did in the, the build-up was nonchalant. <laughs> and uh, the ball came back to him and he just knew what he was doing. He knew exactly where he had to manipulate the ball. Um, got himself a half yard of space and then uh, scored a goal that most players in the Premier League couldn't score reminiscent of Cantona all those years ago kicking the ball from the right hand side of the box to the left hand top corner kicking it over the goalkeeper it was a beautiful goal but I guess what happens when your team throws away the results like Man United did by conceding two goals at the start of the second half and then that ridiculous concession of a goal at the end um I guess that's overshadowed that amazing goal by Fernandes, which could have been a real kind of moment for Fernandes in uh, securing his status as a Man United legend, which is, uh, I don't like using that word, but he's kind of on the way. If he can continue like he is now for, like, let's say five years, he will be that. Just a shout out to Jose Mourinho. Jose, he's so reactive in his tactical setup that he doesn't know how to take the game to other teams. Uh, he doesn't know how to build up passing movements as a manager, to have attacking strategies. It's all about defensive strategies and minimizing mistakes because you have to take the game to other teams these days to get yourself the result. It's not like back in 2004-ish when his Chelsea team could win loads of games 1-0 and 2-0 and other teams went at as advanced tactically. Now teams are very tactically advanced. You have to be able to press well and defend from the front, but you also need to have attacking plans and attacking fluency, and his teams just don't seem to have that. Now things have turned around for Tottenham slightly with that win over WBA with Harry Kane's return, so Kane and Son uh, in amongst the goals. So they do look a completely different team when Kane and Son are back and they're both playing. There is that limitation with Mourinho that he's, his team will get you so far, but you, I don't think he can push you into a title-winning manager with that limitation in his tactics. He would need to evolve, just like Sir Alex Ferguson did. Or, sorry for calling him Sir Alex Ferguson. I don't really like Sir. <laughs> uh, I don't really like that system. Alex Ferguson 
evolved over the years. He became much more tactical, changed his formations, um, kept possession better as, as years went on. And then in later teams, he became more functional. So he, he'd always adapt to what, what he had and what was the kind of, what was the requirements to win the league and when he had to. Mourinho doesn't do that. So I think Tottenham could be headed for a top six finish, but they're not going to challenge for, for the top two, say. It's a, it's a pity for the Tottenham fans, I should say. So let's have a look at the Premier League ta- table. Coming into the second week of February, we have Manchester City at the top. Played 22 games, points 50. Man United in second place played 23 games, points 45. So Man City have a game in hand. If they win that, they will be eight points ahead of Man United. Leicester in third place, 43 points, 23 games. Liverpool also 23 games, 40 points. Uh, West Ham in fifth, 23 matches played, and they're on 39 points. And Everton with two games in hand on the people ahead of them, they're on 37 points. So we could see Everton climb a few places, perhaps into the top four. Um, And then coming after Everton, then you have Chelsea, 38 points, Tottenham, 38 points, Aston Villa also with two games in hand on 35 points, so they could go climbing as well. And then Arsenal, 10th on 31 points. And just going down to the bottom of the league, you have Sheffield United on the bottom with 11 points, West Brom, second from bottom with 12 points, and Fulham, third from bottom with 15 points. So this is how it's shaping up. I think when as the season goes on, the, the positions in the leagues begin to reflect the reality of the situation a bit more. And you are where you deserve to be, really, as, as the season goes on. If we looked at the expected points, um, so this is based on a statistic that takes into account expected goals and expected goals against. The expected points is Manchester City will be on 50 points. In second place, Liverpool should be there on 41 points. In third place, Chelsea would be there based on expected points with just under 41 uh, points. And Man United would be in fourth place on 40 points with Leicester in fifth on 37. So basically the, the, the top four would look like that. It would be Man City in first, Liverpool second, Chelsea third, Man United fourth. Maybe that's a more accurate reflection of things at the moment. I mean, Liverpool have had a terrible season, but their early season form was a lot better than Man United's. Man United have been completely inconsistent throughout the season. Chelsea are coming back into it at the moment with Tuchel um, now at the helm. Uh, To be frank, he's probably a better manager than Lampard. So there you go, that's expected points. And I guess... It'll be interesting to see at the end of the season if the expected points table replicates the actual table. Well, for those people who are interested in expected points. For other people, it probably won't be that interesting. So that's it. Thank you for listening to Feckin' Football this week. I'm going to wrap it up there. This is episode... I think it's episode 8 or 9 of Feckin' Football. I can't remember. doesn't matter really, does it? Uh, still in the very early stages of Feckin' Football. It's still finding its voice as a podcast. Well, that's okay. I'm throwing paint, trying out different things. I hope you're all well. We're coming into mid-February now. February is quite a short month. A few distractions in February, actually, that kind of break it up. We've got Pancake Tuesday coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, Tuesday week, I believe. Um, 
we have Valentine's Day next Saturday and we have my brother Gavin's birthday coming up at the end of February. So for me it's quite interesting things coming up at the moment and I think with February and the lockdown it's there's we're looking for things to do at least there's a few distractions in there so try and make use I would say of Pancake Tuesday of Valentine's Day or Gavin's birthday no that doesn't make any sense the last bit but you know what I mean try and find those little things in life to keep you going keep watching the football it's exhausting watching the football because there's so much of it on it's it's taking over my life but that's okay I love it despite all my frustrations about it I will talk to you next week I'll check in with you guys take care enjoy the week ahead and I'm sure there'll be football on Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday and a quick tip I think Tom Brady is gonna win the Super Bowl for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers by one touchdown and I don't know anything about NFL but that's what the narrative in my head would like anyway take care all the best bye bye Oh,